guys. Welcome back to Block Channel, and thanks for coming back and joining us this week. We have a very, very diverse episode this week, jam-packed full of melanin. Very excited about that. Uh, yep. This week, I'm joined with uh, Demetric Ferguson, of course, Dr. Petty, and Sean Wilkinson from Storage, uh, who just who just excuse me, who just recently announced that they're going to be migrating from uh, Bitcoin over to Ethereum. Um, so, uh, Dr. Petty, uh, Dimitri, you want to go ahead and stuff? What's up, guys? Dr. Corey Petty here from the Bitcoin Podcast. Always happy to be here and talk to uh, the great guests we get on Block Channel. Hey, hello, everyone. It's uh, D, host number two of the Bitcoin Podcast, and uh, co-hosting again on Block Channel. It's good to be back. We're ready to talk to Sean. And All Sean right. Wilkinson, CEO slash CTO of Storage Labs. Happy to be on it. All right. Well, thank you, Sean. Well, yes, like I said, you know, this is a very uh, melon-impact episode. I'm very excited. Love to have uh, diverse individuals on the show, myself. And I'm born and raised from Georgia personally, and I know George is currently Georgia? located Georgia in, uh, in Atlanta. And uh, I love peaches. So, you know, I wanted to have Sean on the show, <laughs> and you know, I'm, a big, I'm a big fan of Ethereum, I'm a big fan of Bitcoin, obviously. Um, if you don't know that, then, like, go read something somewhere. Um, and so so when he said that he was going to be migrating from Bitcoin to Ethereum, it, like, made me raise my eyebrow a little bit, and I was like, oh, man, that sounds uh, really controversial. <laughs> Out there, it's probably mad. Someone's like, you know, just Mountain Dew spilled everywhere. Um, <clears throat> so I wanted to have him on the show. So, Sean, so if you just go ahead and do us a favor uh, and give the listeners the pleasure of giving us an explanation on your background, like education-wise, technical-wise, give us a, a better understanding of who you are as a person before we dive into the interview. Sure, sure. Um, so I'll talk a little bit uh, about myself. I did want to clarify a point there is that um, you know, in the way that we talk about this, you know, we're migrating from counterparty to Ethereum. Um, yes, we still yes, use yes, yes, yes. We uh, a bunch of Bitcoin stuff uh, in kind of our protocol for authentication and many other things. And, and I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit more later. Uh, but yeah, uh, about me and, and about storage. So um, I got my bachelor's in computer science uh, from Morris College, um, graduated in 2014. And uh, in college, I found out about uh, Bitcoin. And blockchain, I was an early miner. One of my friends was doing it, and I was, oh, let me do that too. Um, you know, electricity was free uh, in the dorm rooms, so in the residence halls. So I was like, you know, why not? <laughs> uh, so, you know, you mined like 50 bucks worth of Bitcoin in 2012, and suddenly that turned into $10,000. And I was like, whoa, you know, what, what is this? What's going on? Uh, you know, how did this happen? And so I started like diving into the technology, reading the white paper and all the things that are going on in the ecosystem. And I thought, interesting, this is, this is, this is pretty cool. It makes sense. This is some really interesting technology. Um, and around this time, uh, I was uh, doing some data projects, uh, storing a bunch of data from the Twitter fire hose. And I was looking at like, to store a bunch of this data. Um, yeah, you know, I was looking at like Amazon S3 and Google Cloud, and I was just thinking like, man, these things are like really expensive and like insecure, and like I really don't like them uh, that much. 
Um, and I just, I just kind of looked at, you know, just been was playing around with Bitcoin at this time. I'm like, wait a minute, like you have Bitcoin, and even in 2012, it was larger than the top 500 supercomputers combined by an order of magnitude. Um, and so it was like the perfect example of how to build a distributed, incentivized network of, com- you know, computing resources. And so I just got, you know, what if we could do that for storage? That's around the same thing, and that'd be pretty useful. Um, and so if I could take, you know, my friend's hard drive space or my neighbor's hard drive space and, you know, build some kind of secure network, um, you know, that incentivized people for doing so. So it kind of went down that path in, in 2014. Uh, we kind of started as kind of a, you know, decentralized Dropbox, um, raised kind of a, a half a million dollars via crowdfund. And then we kind of matured over time, kind of found that, you know, wait a minute, you know, for, you know, for years and years and years, Dropbox just stored all their data on Amazon S3. Like they didn't store a single shred of data. And we found that, you know, the people who actually make the decisions on like this cloud storage, uh, you know, industry are the developers, because you download an app, you don't care whether it goes to S3 or some other provider, you just care that it works. Developers, the ones that, you know, actually make those decisions. So we kind of started, you know, a company in 2015 and focused on that specific area to say, hey, let's provide, you know, an easy to use platform that allows you to use this distributed network of cloud storage without having to worry about um, kind of the behind the scenes uh, things. You can store data, get data out. And providing that developers allows us to get that out to users. So a developer can uh, say, hey, I just want, you know, cheaper, faster, more secure cloud storage. Um, You know, I can integrate with uh, this platform um, and push that app update out to, you know, 5 million users. And that's the way to get the technology out there Um, rather than, uh, you know, building a a single application. You can build a platform where you can have, you know, dozens of Dropboxes and backup applications and whatnot. So that's just kind of a brief overview of, you know, how I got started with, you know, Bitcoin and then kind of fell into, you know, building out something with that technology and kind of where we are now. So. If you have any questions, nice. uh, feel free to ask. But that's that's the general overview. I got I got questions. So, you know, we all have passions. I myself, I got a passion for beating my friends at fighting video games that I know how to play well. And <laughs> we they play don't. Smash in the office. Like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm Smash oh, by yeah. the Nintendo Switch. It's gonna be great. I'm really excited for that. Oh yeah, I'm waiting for my Switch too. I like having the Neo moment because you know how to play the game real well, but they're just button mashing. So you're like, okay. <laughs> This is going to be easy. But anyways, what we're talking about passions is how did you discover your passion for distributed systems and decentralized technologies? Like you just woke up one day and were like, this is my jam. How did you get to that point? Yeah, so, so I always thought, you know, Bitcoin was a really interesting and game changing um, technology. Um, you know, like I said, I, I got my bachelor's in computer science. Um uh, from Morehouse, so I kind of like read the white paper and understand uh, stood like a, a decent amount of things that were going on and, and just thought, you know, wow, this is can really allow you to build a lot of different technologies that you couldn't before this technology was available. Um, so, you know, one of those things, um, you know, that I kind of focused on is, is uh, you know, decentralized storage, cloud storage. 
you know, part of that was just fulfilling an issue that I had, right? I wanted to store a ton of data and I didn't want to pay an arm and a leg for it. And I wanted to be secure, uh, private and, and performant. And this, that wasn't available. Um, and so, you know, I thought, you know, how this, this technology right here shows you, Bitcoin shows you that you can build like a, a massive distributed network that has all those properties. Um, so, you know, part of it was just solving a problem as a developer that I had myself and, and thought that would be useful to my, not only by myself, but, you know, solves a common uh, theme among many, many people, you know, you look at, you know, uh, of you guys and listen, your listeners, um, I'll speak to you guys specifically, have you guys used Dropbox or Yahoo or LinkedIn? Absolutely. Uh, I like have. All those services have. have been hacked. <laughs> yeah. Like you can go buy yeah. like the old credentials online on the dark web for like five bucks. And so that's like like one example of many of, of just the traditional system being completely broken. Um, you look at like Amazon <laughs> S3, we're directly competing with as a platform for data storage. Like two weeks ago, the, the entire system, um, or at least US east which is uh, you know used probably the most um just went offline and took like a quarter of the internet with it yeah no i took uh, like a day, i took like a half day it was great it was a good time i like think yeah them. it's like like service failures are the new snow days now um, so <laughs> if, you, if you work for a SaaS company <laughs> yeah pretty much you, just, you can't do anything um so it's 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 those kind of you know problems that you know, are in the traditional cloud storage space, and um, you know, taking this new network, this these with this new technology that um, really just aims to solve a lot of those issues. Um, so yeah, we just kind of started, um, you know, just solving a basic problem. Uh, you know, in 2014, I just want this cheaper and you know more secure, and then realized, you know, wow, this is just a complete leapfrog on the you know, traditional cloud storage systems and, you know, this could be really disruptive to them. Let's, uh, like, I guess y'all could be considered an OG of the use cases outside of finance for, for this whole space. And, and y'all recently announced uh, a movement from color coins to, to Ethereum, uh, like as the, as the back end of your application, you have, like, can we talk a little bit about the pain points you experienced using color coins and what makes you feel that, um, the Ethereum ecosystem can solve those. Yeah, so so the, to clarify, we're moving from Counterparty, which is Sorry. a meta protocol that is built on top of Bitcoin that allows you to create, uh, you know, coins and tokens um, without necessarily needing, you know, another blockchain. So essentially, what you're doing is this, you know, taking a Bitcoin direct transaction, adding a little extra metadata, and then that's used to kind of send the tokens around. So. If you want a, an analogy, it's it's like I take a, a uh, you know a, a quarter and color it purple and call it storage coin, right? I'm not like you know minting um, the coins, but you know I'm adding a little something and using it as you know, some other unit of value. Um, and so you know we're actually kind of an old project uh, comparatively in the space. You know we've been yeah, around. You guys have been around forever. Um, <laughs> I've yes. been around. 2012 and y'all been around i must started hearing about storage in 2013 14 something like that yeah so we oh, first ever. like had our public announcement like march 2014 
Yep. Right. So we're, we're going on kind of three years um, here now since the start of the project. So at that time, there was only two. That's good. Yeah. So at that at at that time in 2014, there was only like two protocols to to have tokens on Mastercoin, um, which is you know project's kind of defunct, but it's it's been uh, renamed uh, Omni. Yeah, yeah, it's Omni now. Um, it had a nice Omni pump recently. That's good. Good for yeah. it. It's very, very small uh, now. And then Counterparty. Um, and so at the time, you know, we went um, with Counterparty. We felt it was kind of the um, the better option, the mo most mature technology. Um, a little bit of context here. So the Ethereum crowd sale and the uh, uh, storage coin crowd sale happened at the exact same time. So, um, you know, Ethereum was still kind of an idea and a really interesting technology. Um, and so kind of over time, you know, going past 2015 into 2016, you know, Ethereum has kind of, and 2017 now, you know, Ethereum has really grown uh, from this idea into this large ecosystem that a lot of people are building, um, you know, their use cases and their tokens and whatnot on top of. Uh, versus Counterparty, um, you know, the, the, the founders um, kind of moved on to other things. Um, you know, the, the, the mechanism at which uh, Counterparty tokens were created is actually they burned a bunch of Bitcoin. They burned, I think, about 2,000 2, Bitcoin or something like that. Uh, I'd have to go back and look at the, uh, the numbers. Um, yeah, and so at the end of the day, they did like they didn't have a lot of uh, funding, um, and you know when there was a lot of excitement, uh, you know in 2014 that was fine, uh, but you know towards 2017, um, it just means that they don't have res you know too much resources to you know continue to build wallets and um, more protocol upgrades and features and all these things. Um, where if you look at something like Ethereum, they've really taken the crowd sale and, you know, the the increase in the token and just built this entire ecosystem around it. Um, so our users were just, you know, from this technology, were, were, you know, having really old wallets that weren't really updated and had, you know, usability issues. And, uh, you know, this is built on Bitcoin. So as Bitcoin has transaction backlog issues, Right, the users are like trying to send their tokens from one place to another, and it's taken like hours to days. Like that's not good, um, you know. And the transaction fees are high because you know transaction fees for Bitcoin are are, are too high. So, you know, the, these these problems were building up over time, um, and it just kind of came to a head uh, pretty recently that we're like, you know what, you know, we we want to have our users to have a good experience. Uh, you know, Ethereum seems to be a solid, stable platform. They've, you know, gone through some stuff, but came out it all right. And there's, you know, this new standard of tokens, ERC-20 tokens, uh, that's been used many times and, and seems to be accepted by the industry. Um, so, yeah, now is the time as ever to, you know, rip off the Band-Aid and, and, and make the switch uh, and, and go to the platform that... Uh, you know, we'll solve these issues so the users can transfer the tokens and, you know, seconds to minutes, not hours to days and not pay high fees and, uh, you know, have all the wallets and exchange, uh, you know, support. Um, 
and also allow us to build out some really interesting and new advanced features um, like smart contracting and micropayments that, that we uh, need and want to add uh, to the storage platform. So from an engineering perspective, can you go ahead and explain um, sort of the service that storage provides and, and give us give us as much like low level detail as you can like so pre, so currently and or previously um, that when you were using the counterparty token you know how exactly did you facilitate that on storage and how is that changing over the course of the migration yeah so I guess there's there's really two components there it's it's one noting that you know, storage is broken down into discrete pieces. Um, and, you know, we've done that purposely, um, you know, as, uh, for organization, um, so that, you know, when we, we you know, need to upgrade a service or, uh, or, or, or change something, um, you know, there's, you know, not all these things intertwine uh, in each other. Um, so, you know, we're primarily using, you know, our, our token for, for payment, uh, you know, for this network. So it doesn't have, you know, it's not uh, kind of mixed in with the metadata for the files or all these kind of things. So uh, it's very easy for us to essentially just kind of swap out um, kind of the payment rails because um, uh, the protocol doesn't essentially need to deal with that. Um, it just needs to be able to essentially, you know, audit files, make sure they're there, transfer the files around. And then at the end of the day, it's, you know, it pays in something. It doesn't really care. The protocol doesn't care what that something is, right? It could be, um, you know, in a white paper, we said, you know, it can, you can use live goats if you want. Um, you know, storage coin is much more suited to the, the use case, but um, the protocol is kind of, you know, for, you know, encrypting the data, storing the data, you know, auditing the data, it doesn't necessarily have to uh, be aware of that mechanism. Mm -hmm. um, so for kind of the transition, you know, we're just going from um, using, uh, you know, storage coin um, on the counterparty, pla uh, you know, platform um, to, to storage coin on the Ethereum platform. And so users will just have essentially new wallets that they can use that will have much less transaction fees, be easier to use um, and be much faster. Um, but kind of the first Part of your question, you're, you're curious a little bit more about how the storage system works. Do you want me to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, how, like, how, like, <clears throat> like, yeah, more so, like, about on how it works so that people can just get more of an understanding here as, the, as to where it's going and how that'll provide a tool in the Ethereum ecosystem. Yeah. So, kind of the, 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 the short summary on store, how storage works is, um, you know, a user wants to store a file, mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know what they do. You know, let's say you have a cat picture you want to store on the network. Um, that cat picture will be encrypted with only keys that you know and have access to, uh, no one else. Uh, then it'll be split into small pieces, and then those pieces uh, will be distributed. Um, to many nodes in this network. So one of the things that we offer uh, as part of the service that we offer on top of the network is helping you kind of determine where to, to place those files. So, you know, we'll have lots of relationships with different um, farmers on the network. We call them people who rent out their hard drive space to this network. And so we'll say, you know, that guy turns off his computer at, you know, 9 p.m. 
Um, he's probably not best for you, but this guy is, you know, three, you know, three blocks down from you. And, um, he's, uh, you know, very reliable. You should upload to him. So these pieces are uploaded redundantly to, uh, many different farmers on the network. And then we're constantly auditing, um, those nodes to make sure they're available online and online. Um, and so for example, one of them, uh, you know, goes offline, his computer falls out the window. Um, you know, it, it's fine. We can detect that and um, uh, spin up a new node uh, with some of the existing copies. Um, and so that's kind of the process of getting the file up uh, to the network. And you know, getting the, the the file down is just the opposite. You're saying, you know, these files are these locations. Uh, you know, let me pull them down and uh, you know put the file back together, decrypt it, and then you know pops up as a nice look at picture on your computer. Um, in terms of the payment uh, portion is, um, you know, we're moving towards a system where, you know, that happens automatically as you transfer that file, um, you know, back down, you're also, uh, you know, the user is pay, being paid for their bandwidth, uh, but also, you know, at, over time, as they're storing this data, they're also getting paid uh, for storing this data over time. Um, so, you know, the, the storage coin is a mechanism for us to do that uh, and, and us to do that, you know, quickly and, and automatically because, you know, if some random guy in Nebraska is, you know, storing your, your picture and, you know, um, a picture is like, you know, a couple hundred you know, kilobits uh, uh, or kilobytes, you know, you know, like a thousandth of a cent, you know, you can't do like an ACH transfer for that. Um, but you know, you can do a very quick transfer, um, of cryptocurrency for that. So that is the mechanism at which we use to incentivize, uh, people to store their files, um, uh, on the network. So, um, so I'm about to get down to some, some brass and tacks here. So it was, was ETH, so you made the move to Ethereum, was it purely for technical reasons or, or are you boosting your bets? Are you financially invested in Ethereum too? Uh, yeah, I, I definitely have some Ethereum. <laughs> I, I, I got some Ethereum. Crazy not to have some, right? <laughs> Uh, like I, I wouldn't suggest you go sell your house and buy Ethereum, um, but you know you, sh you should at least have five or ten dollars worth at, at least. Don't, don't, uh, sell, don't sell your house. Don't. Um, but yeah, we don't. just saw like the uh, you know we listed out a bunch of technical reasons. Um, you can go read our uh, blog posts on on kind of the rationale um, for the switch. Um, you know, just, you know, slow transaction, high fees, you know, all these kinds of things. But it's it's also, you know, the, the ecosystem um, and, and the people, right? So we were funding, uh, you know, counterparty development, um, you know, for, you know, micropayments as a, you know, thing that we very, like, strongly need. Uh, and mm -hmm. that's taking away resources from us building storage, you know, and the product. Um, versus you have, you know, uh, um, uh, you know, the other people who are working on micropayments that need it for all these different things, you kind of share the burden, you know, share the load, load. everyone is using this common resources, this common road, um, and, and uh, that resource becomes, 
um, you know, cheaper for each person to fund, um, but also becomes, you know, more robust as, you know, many people are using instead of just one person. Um, and so we just kind of saw, you know, uh, you know, for technical reasons, this was a good uh, part, uh, you know, way to switch. Um, but also, you know, the rails and the wallets and the exchanges were all kind of standardizing around this. Um, and, and it just made easier for people to use storage um, and use the tools around storage. And, and that's, you know, where we really wanted to go. I, I remember, you know, talking to an exchange about the migration, right? Uh, I, I let them know a, a couple of days, you know, prior and I had kind of a side conversation. And when I, I told them we were going to make the, the transition, they said, oh, thank God. <laughs> you know, because like we're sending out, you know. We thought we were going to die. <laughs> yeah, like we're sending out thousands of, uh, of payments and incurring like high fees. They're they're like they're an exchange. They're doing even more transactions, and so it's this idea of that. Yeah, everyone is going towards this the standard around ERC twenty tokens, um, and so you know as you have a standard, you just, you implement that standard once, right? And then you just you know add you know uh, you know the ticker for storage that code. Yeah, and then it's done. Versus supporting all these different coins and protocols and. You know, it's it's an absolutely you know mess for someone who's who's running an exchange or a wallet or all these other services you know that deal with it you know directly to maintain that uh, over time versus just you know having a, a standard again that has mm -hmm. network effect that 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 everyone's using just makes you know their life so much easier. Um, you know, in addition to um, kind of the technicals like. It's an ecosystem thing. People are building their projects, their new projects, you know, yeah. on Ethereum as their platform. And so, you know, we're a decentralized storage network. That's pretty useful to all these decentralized, you know, uh, applications and all these things, you know, building on top of the, uh, that ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't make sense for you to make a decentralized application and just go store all the data on Amazon S3, which is a centralized service. Like yeah. you need a decentralized storage network. So we also saw, you know, our core customers are developers. Where are the developers? They're here. Um, and so we really need to, uh, you know, be in that ecosystem. And, Speaking. you know, the last point is, uh, you know, there's a bunch of new technical features um, that we're going to be adding in terms of micropayments and smart contracts directly in the storage network that I'm working on writing out right now. And so there's there's a whole version two of storage, uh, you know, that that we're working on that's going to be coming out that just wasn't possible um, on the platform that we're using, but is possible in Ethereum. Speaking of this kind of beautiful synergy you get when you're able to kind of leverage the existing apps and community of of, of a platform, there's a, like another side of the coin <laughs> to that, um, <laughs> which yeah, that's corny. Uh, like it, you might, you're going to have some competition because you're not necessarily the only platform doing decentralized storage, even on Ethereum. Do you have, you feel pressure from these competing researchers um, looking to implement their own various versions of decentralized storage? No, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I like the process. I, I think one of the things is like all these projects are I idealistically, uh, you know, towards the same goal, right? They're like, Centralized providers suck. You know they they expose our privacy. They're insecure. Um, you know they're slower than you know they could be, and they're super expensive. And we hate it, and we want it to change. Uh, 
So you're right. Like, so like everyone's like idealistically aligned. Um, where we differ is the technical approaches of how we get there. You know, one person wants to take this road, the other one wants to take that road. Um, you know, and not necessarily, you know, each road is is right or wrong. They all have their um, you know, benefits and detriments. Um, and so there's there's a lot of people try to tackle this problem. And I, I think that's good, right? And we've had a lot of conversations with uh, people in the ecosystem, people working on decentralized storage, and, and it's it's really great sometimes to compare notes. Um, I definitely feel yeah. that that's like, uh, like and even you think about the centralized version of that, you're you're decentralizing the utility as well. Like with you have Amazon. S3, you have Azure Web Services, you've got DigitalOcean. I mean, there's a lot of other centralized services that, that compete in the existing realm and are, are very successful. There's no reason why we can't have the same similar situation in the, in the decentralized. Yeah, I think the interesting thing about the decentralized platforms is that um, a lot of people see it as like, you know, one thing, uh, you know, rules all, but like I, I think you're going to start to see like arbitrage between like different platforms. So like the the economics of us are different from you know, the economics uh, of another you know data storage platform, um, you know distributed decentralized data storage platform. So what might make you know more sense on our platform for you know high speed you know fast storage might you know economically be better to store like backup on another platform. So I think you're going to start to see, you know, some very uh, enterprising, uh, enterprising uh, individuals who are going to be like, wait a minute, I can arbitrage between different storage networks and make a ton of money. And so while these projects like might not directly work together, you're going to have these people be like, you know, wait a minute, I can just take contracts, you know, and data from this platform and put it on this other platform because this platform is more suited for that specific use case. Um, so I think it's going to be really interesting. You just you just don't have that with you know Amazon S3, Google Cloud. You can't like tie the two together. For sure, uh, there's there's no like but, economic way to, to just arbitrage across right. different centralized but services. With tokens and with you know completely open networks and you know, open source code, it's possible. So uh, that's one of the things I kind of see in the future. So a lot of people are like, you know, competition, competition, and I'm just like. Well, when you tie the uh, the code together, it's just more features, more features, more features. Um, so that's that's what I'm about. Moving into the next topic, Sean, you've been a developer for a while now, entrepreneur entrepreneur in this field for what can be considered a while because like one Bitcoin year is like three regular human years. <laughs> Probably more. So, so you got some experience under your belt like if if this were diablo you'd have hella armor like <laughs> absolutely so if there's people that are just starting out uh, diablo adventure like young developers entrepreneurs and they're deeply interested in ethereum blockchain crypto bitcoin whatever you want to call it like what is your sage wisdom that you can impart to them uh jump right in that's, that's all I can say is just jump right in is, um, uh, you know, there's a lot to learn and there's just so much new information coming out that, that you can't, you can't keep up. Used to be back in the day, back in the day, you could, you could go to the Bitcoin talk forums 
and, and you could read through a couple of posts and you knew everything that was going on <laughs> in the Bitcoin ecosystem. <laughs> good old days. Uh, oh, those are the good old days. Those days are way gone. <laughs> yep. There's, you know, such an information fire hose uh, in, in the ecosystem that's, uh, you know, just, just continuing to, to grow and rise as these, these new things uh, come about. Um, so there, there's a lot to do and there's a lot to learn. So, uh, you know, all I can say is, you know, jump in. Uh, you know, attend the meetups. Um, I, I still remember, you know, my first meetups that that I went to that, you know, had a, a really big impact on me. And I, I met uh, a lot of people who uh, went on to to do some pretty big things in the ecosystem. Um, so you know, attend the meetups, meet the people, go to the conferences, um, you know, read the white papers. Uh, you know, play around with the tokens. You know, seeing is believing. Um, you know, for a lot of the, uh, uh, the stuff in the space. So, uh, you know, try the tokens, try the projects, um, and, and, and just learn as much as you can. And, and with time, I, I think people will, you know, will find their niches, right? You like this project because it does X, Y, Z, and that's interesting or useful to you. And so you call kind of fall in with that bunch, but, uh, I say just, you know, jump in head first. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Sean. I think that was brilliant. Um, actually, I want to I want to ask you another question here. I'm going to throw out a wild card, and this wild card is not from the audience; it's from myself personally. Um, and, and it's it's and it's because I'm I'm stuck here on the West Coast with all these Silicon Valley people, and I've been here like two years now because I'm originally from the East Coast, as I stated earlier. And so, how is the crypto scene in Atlanta? Because I know it originally got really hot. And BitPay was there, and everybody was there, and it was cool. And I feel like through like 2014 through like 2016, like it was pretty, it was pretty good. But like, where, where, how is it currently as it stands in Atlanta? Like, is it still, is it still growing? Like, do you see any Ethereum developers out there yet? Like, where do you think that's going? Is it going to continue to grow like here on the West Coast, like decentralized? What's your thoughts? Yeah. So the the Atlanta Bitcoin ecosystem is kind of small. Um, it, it's, it's, you know, us, um, uh, you know, storage BitPay, which is literally the building next door to us. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, we can look out the window, well, actually we can go up the roof and we can see, you know, their yeah, window. <laughs> um, actually a lot of, uh, our, our current employees are former BitPay employees. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and there's, you know, some other people coming up in the space like patient Tory, um, but it, it is, you know, small, the, the tiny ecosystem compared to like, you go to a meetup, uh, you know, in New York, um, mm -hmm. or if you go to the Valley and it's just like, you know, a uh, hundred times more people. So, um, but, uh, definitely a lot of people, uh, in Atlanta interested in Bitcoin and, um, the, the meetups here are, are growing. It seems like every time I go, there's more and more people. Um, so we definitely have an ecosystem here. Um, I, I think it, it's, it's definitely not as big as you know, places where I've gone, where it's New York or San Francisco or London or Berlin. Um, but it, it's growing and it's there. Um, so, but if, hey, if you're ever in Atlanta, uh, you know, come by, come by and see us. Um, yeah, know, are, there any, are, are there any notable places in Atlanta that still take Bitcoin? Uh I'm not sure. Um, 
I haven't really spent um, Bitcoin um, in Atlanta. I buy a ton of stuff online with Bitcoin. Um, oh. I don't think I've bought uh, anything with Bitcoin in Atlanta. In, in what service history. do you use to buy stuff online, if you don't mind my ass? Purse. Uh, oh, this is oh really, wow. Really huh. cool. Uh, <laughs> I buy my Steam games um, uh, with Bitcoin. Oh, nice. um, I used to buy like humble indie bundles and they stopped accepting Bitcoin. So I stopped buying Hundi, uh, humble indie bundles, uh, but Steam accepts it directly now. Um, Have you ever uh, used Storage Coin to buy anything? Uh, I don't, I don't think, no, I, I think, I think I use it to, uh, no, I use Bitcoin for that. I don't think I've used uh, Storage Coin. Cause there's like Shapeshift. I think Shapeshift accepts storage, right? Yeah, I think that that's, I know. Is that does, is that considered cheating? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of like that middle ground. Like yeah, I don't know. Like have you? Have, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just curious. Like I mean, if you're like you know you're on person, you're like I've got like a shit ton of storage coins, and let me just I don't know. Like <laughs> well, I'm about I'm about to use uh, throw some storage coin on our service. Okay. Um, so we're actually we we just launched um, our billing system on the fifteenth. And that was this, uh, you know, get it out there, you know, push it out there, uh, deploy early, deploy often, and uh, it was this credit cards only. And then we're we we've just completed the Bitcoin option. It's done. Um, it's it's in staging right now. We just got to move that over to production. And then we're right after the Bitcoin option. We're going to be looking at to um, integrate uh, kind of storage coin and, and Ethereum. So. I know what I'm going to spend it on um, uh, pretty pretty soon here, um, uh, but yeah, we just launched that like two weeks ago, uh, so I, I think people will be spending their storage coin a, a lot more uh, uh, now than they ever have before. Oh, okay. that's what it's for, right? <laughs> it's for, for buying sure. and selling storage space, not necessarily buying cups of coffee or Steam games, uh, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. And thank you for all the extra tidbits there. Uh, in the end, I know that wasn't originally in the discussions, but hey, it's all about having a good time here. So thanks for coming on the show, of course, like we said. And um, if there's anything else uh, that you guys can think of, do you guys have any other questions you want to sneak in here? No, I'm, I'm, I'm quite satisfied. I, I got one tiny question. Do we have time? I, I think, yeah, I'm sure we do. I'm still there. Uh, you mentioned earlier, like you, you, if somebody is near you and they have a better uptime, it's a better option for your storage, something like that. So on the storage network or storage coin, do you, do, do people get incentivized for having a higher uptime? Uh, yeah. So we essentially, um, there's, there's kind of a threshold, um, you know, for that is okay. you know, if you're sufficiently up, then you kind of get, uh, you know, continue to be paid, but you know, if you're just like terribly and turn off your computer for like five minutes, then you can get cut off. Uh, but um, as the the platform goes along, there's going to be more of a sliding scale. That yes, we'll be incentivizing um, you know people with uh, you know higher uptime uh, than we owe with lower uptime because that's important. Um, so it's 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 reduced when you have like you know five different people who also have the file and can transfer it to you but you generally want those people to be up and available uh or you end up you know having to do a bunch of operations to uh, uh to fix that 
Cool. That was my last question. That's it. <laughs> we can wrap it up. All right, great. All right, well, now, thank you, Sean. I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, whenever you guys uh, come out with your version 2.0 and more tools and stuff like that in the future, please come back uh, and fill us in and let us know what's new. Cool, cool. It's coming soon. It's coming okay. soon. Okay, all right. I'm excited. I'm excited. It got me all excited. All um, right, cool. <laughs> all right, man. Well, you, you have a great day, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again real soon. All right. This episode of Block Channel is sponsored by Gnosis. Gnosis is a decentralized prediction market built on the Ethereum public blockchain. Gnosis provides an open source platform for anyone to predict the outcome of any event and plans to drastically simplify the creation of customized prediction market applications. For example, an individual can create a market on a future event such as the outcome of a political election or a company's earnings forecast. People from across the world can bet or predict the likelihood of this event actually occurring. Over time, the market aggregates the predictions from users from across the world, and Gnosis makes real-time market adjustments. This crowdsourced wisdom is groundbreaking as it provides forecasting accuracy and enables a host of new applications to be built on top of it. Gnosis imagines a future in which decisions are as informed as possible by markets which aggregate useful information in an optimal, open, and decentralized fashion. Check out the links in the show notes to learn more about their platform and upcoming token launch.